Chapter Six of A Mind That Found Itself by Clifford Whittingham Beers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Daly. A Mind That Found Itself by Clifford Whittingham Beers. Chapter Six. During the entire time that my delusions of persecution, as they are called, persisted, I could not but respect the mind that had laid out so comprehensive and devilishly ingenious and, at times, artistic a third degree, as I was called upon to bear. And an innate modesty, more or less fugitive since these peculiar experiences, does not forbid my mentioning the fact that I still respect that mind. Suffering such as I endured during the month of August in my own home continued with gradually diminishing force during the eight months I remained in this sanatorium. Nevertheless, my sufferings during the first four of these eight months was intense. All my senses were still perverted. My sense of sight was the first to right itself, nearly enough, at least, to rob the detectives of their moving pictures. But before the last fitful film had run through my mind, I beheld one which I shall now describe. I can trace it directly to an impression made on my memory about two years earlier, before my breakdown. Shortly after going to New York to live, I had explored the Eden Musée. One of the most gruesome of the spectacles which I had seen, in its famed Chamber of Horrors, was a representation of a gorilla holding in its arms the gory body of a woman. It was that impression which now revived in my mind. But by a process strictly in accordance with Darwin's theory, the Aden Musée gorilla had become a man, in appearance not unlike the beast that had inspired my distorted thought. This man held a bloody dagger which he repeatedly plunged into the woman's breast. The apparition did not terrify me at all. In fact, I found it interesting, for I looked upon it as a contrivance of the detectives. Its purpose I could not divine, but this fact did not trouble me, as I reasoned that no additional criminal charges could make my situation worse than it already was. For a month or two, false voices continued to annoy me, and if there is a hell conducted on the principles of my temporary hell, Gossipers will one day wish they had attended strictly to their own business. This is not a confession. I am no gossiper, though I cannot deny that I have occasionally gossiped a little. And this was my punishment. Persons in an adjoining room seemed to be repeating the very same things which I had said of others on these communicative occasions. I supposed that those whom I had talked about had in some way found me out, and intended now to take their revenge. My sense of smell, too, became normal, but my sense of taste was slow in recovering. At each meal, poison was still the pièce de résistance, and it was not surprising that I sometimes dallied one, two, or three hours over a meal, and often ended by not eating it at all. There was, however, another reason for my frequent refusal to take food, in my belief that the detectives had resorted to a more subtle method of detection. They now intended, by each article of food, to suggest a certain idea, and I was expected to recognize the idea thus suggested. 
Conviction or acquittal depended upon my correct interpretation of their symbols, and my interpretation was to be signified by my eating, or not eating, the several kinds of food placed before me. To have eaten a burnt crust of bread would have been a confession of arson. Why? Simply because a charred crust suggested fire, and as bread is the staff of life, would it not be an inevitable deduction that life had been destroyed, destroyed by fire, and that I was the destroyer? On one day to eat a given article of food meant confession. The next day, or the next meal, a refusal to eat it meant confession. This complication of logic made it doubly difficult for me to keep from incriminating myself and others. It can easily be seen that I was between several devils and the deep sea. To eat or not eat perplexed me more than the problem conveyed by a few shorter words perplexed a certain prince who, had he lived a few centuries later, out of a book, might have been forced to enter a kingdom where kings and princes are made and unmade on short notice. Indeed, he might have lost his principality entirely, or at least his subjects, for as I later had occasion to observe, the frequency with which a dethroned reason mounts a throne and rules a world is such that a self-crowned royalty receives but scant homage from the less elated members of the court. For several weeks I ate but little. Though the desire for food was not wanting, my mind, that dog in the manger, refused to let me satisfy my hunger. Coaxing by the attendants was of little avail. Force was usually of less but the threat that liquid nourishment would be administered through my nostrils sometimes prevailed, for the attribute of shrewdness was not so utterly lost that I could not choose the less of two evils. What I looked upon as a gastronomic ruse of the detective sometimes overcame my fear of eating. Every Sunday ice cream was served with dinner. At the beginning of the meal a large pyramid of it would be placed before me in a saucer several sizes too small. I believed that it was never to be mine unless I first partook of the more substantial fare. As I dallied over the meal, that delicious pyramid would gradually melt, slowly filling the small saucer, which I knew could not long continue to hold all its original contents. As the melting of the ice cream progressed, I became more indifferent to my eventual fate, and invariably, before a drop of that precious reward had dripped from the saucer, I had eaten enough of the dinner to prove my title to the seductive dessert. Moreover, during its enjoyment, I no longer cared a whit for charges or convictions of all the crimes in the calendar. This fact is less trifling than it seems, for it proves the value of strategy as opposed to brute and sometimes brutal force, of which I shall presently give some illuminating examples. End of chapter 6